And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly. This is Adventures in Woo Woo. And welcome to another Ask Me Anything questions and answers vlog, where people over on Patreon and on Discord ask me questions, send me questions, and I answer them to the best of my ability, given my current understanding, with the caveat that I might change my mind about these answers at some point in the future, if I get more information, or I learn something new, or I just change my mind because my opinion has changed. Usually what I do is I go to some nice little location, and I put up a, you know, my tripod and stand there and just answer the questions for about 20 minutes in one place. What I thought I'd do today is bring you some more kind of interesting. This is a place called, well, we're going to go to a place called Ladywell Shrine, which is a Catholic holy place that is dedicated to Our Lady, Mary, Mother of God, or, you know, many names this woman has. And it's very close to, a, to the house that I grew up in. So I spent a lot of time there, but they have since all done it up. There's a thing about this place is that every year on the dot, 14th of August, I think, during the Feast of the Assumption, a miracle happens. Every year. So let's go check that out. Miss Funny Ears asks, will you ever make another deck or another limited edition version? My partner and I are really intrigued by it and added it to our wish list. Awesome. I hope you like it when you get it. Will I ever make another deck? Well, I am making another deck. I'm currently nearly finished another deck that I've been doing with Duncan Barford, him of Cult Experiments in the Home podcast website. And you might know him from the Baptist head back in the day. It's a Buddhist oracle. It's based on the Nidanas, which if you want to know what the Nidanas are, Duncan actually has a two-part podcast all about them. And you can check that out. I'll leave the links in the show description. Uh, there'll be 26 cards. About 22 of them, 23 of them are done. And uh, yeah, it'll definitely be coming out in the next couple of months. There'll be He's writing the book for it, which is the first version completely done. If you want to see it in the work in progress, I've been posting all my art as I've been going along over on Patreon. So if you want to get in on that now and have a look at how it all looks, you can see that right now. Now, with regard to will I ever do another limited edition deck, I'm sure I will. Why wouldn't I? People seem to like them and I seem to like them, so it works out well. What I was thinking of doing, and I'm probably more than likely definitely going to do, is I'll have a limited edition deck that will only be available once a year for around Halloween for the birthday of the 40 servants, around that time. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a monochromatic deck because uh, I've been working on that, on the look of it, and it looks really, really well. So it'll be like available for a week, once a year. So that should be cool. So, yeah. So this is Ladywell Shrine. And what is the miracle, you say? Well, every year, the water rises. Um, in the well and overflows at an exact time. Now, the skeptical among you may say, well, that's not true, or that there's some kind of mechanism involved. And I have heard that uh, there is often a fire engine <laughs> in the area, but I don't know how true that is. I've never actually come on the day, but um, it gets huge amounts of crowds, like huge amounts of crowds for such a small thing. A mass is said here, and uh, people, you know, who are there, seem to genuinely believe that the miracle occurs, that the water rises at exactly the right time as prescribed, 
as predicted and uh, that the water has healing properties. It's been here for a long while. There's photos unearthed recently that uh, show that people have been using this as a pilgrimage for at least, you know, when did photos come out? Photos come out a couple of hundred years and of records before then. So yeah, it has a good ancient kind of history. It's a lovely, very peaceful place and they've cleaned it up uh, considerably since when I was a kid here, it was very overgrown. So yeah, it's really nice. Sorry about the sunglasses, I know it makes it slightly more impersonal, but uh, it's very bright and uh, I can't see the camera when I don't have the mod. I drink tea. Here's two questions. Recently I've read Gateways Through the Stone and Circle and Gateways Through Light and Shadow by Ashen Kassan. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce his name, but there you go. In which he describes method for creating magical tools. Outside of the 47s, have you ever attempted to create any specific magical tools and what were the results? Or if not, have you read about some tools you might like to create and experiment with? I have a number of tools. I was given a wand in Glastonbury about 20 years ago that I have, but I've, I augmented it slightly. I painted it black because because uh, you have to. The Rolling Stones told me to, and I, I've, you know, I find that quite pleasing. Um, I also made my own rosary beads, shown them before in a video. I should have brought them with me today, but I didn't. And I also have some other tools that people have made for me. I have a ceremonial dagger that William. William Opdyke made for me, which is wonderful, and a couple of other things. I've tried ma making different kind of talismans and stuff before, but I've never really fully gelled with the, you know, the actual materia thing of magic, that the things themselves are magic. Just something I kind of have neglected and probably should look into more. There's a part of me that kind of feels a bit, I don't know, LARPing when I start using things like that as well, but um, that is something I probably should get over. I'll check out the book that you uh, are talking about because it seems like it could be interesting. Now, the better question. Idrin T also asks, snack attack, dark chocolate hobnobs versus milk chocolate hobnobs, which is superior? As a rule, I think dark chocolate is uh, superior to milk chocolate, but I don't think we can actually get the dark chocolate hobnobs over here, or at least I haven't seen them, but I'm going to go with my suspicion that they probably are nicer than the milk chocolate hobnobs. Other opinions on snacks are available, of course. Jesus speaks to the women. It's kind of like he's saying, come on, chill, chill, relax, it's grand, it's all good. Don't worry about me. It's the Three Marys, isn't it? Not the way I'd say it. Well, it's usually the Three Marys, but one is a baby, so. Did Jesus have a secret baby? Maybe someone should write a book about that. Al Dow asks, can you recommend a good source of shadow work? I can, well I can recommend a few, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand you over to future Tommy, who's back in the office, and he's going to show you some books. Okay, some books. And this isn't exhaustive, obviously, there is some other places where you can find some good shadow work stuff, but uh, this is what I recommend right this second. I suppose the daddy of it all, Jung, uh, this would be a good place to start with Jung if you want to come from the kind of shadow work type of stuff. Uh, it's called The Undiscovered Self, and there's two S's, they wrote late in life. Um, and it's a good introduction. Next, I would recommend Philosophical Midwifery, or Midwifery, depending on your preference, by Pierre Grimes. This, unfortunately, this book is out of print, but I've been reliably informed, or actually Max has been reliably informed over on Discord, that it's about to come out in a new edition any time now. What you can get at the minute from Pierre Grimes is the Pocket Pierre Unblocking. But they're not great, they kind of are a good supplement to the other book but even with the other book the first the, the philosophical midwifery you're not fully going to get the process without looking at a few examples of him going through it there's like there's actually loads there's 50 or 60 possibly 100 examples of him going through it on um, his website the noetic society mostly aimed at dreams but the process is exactly the same it's really good and i've talked about it in different places before so i won't uh, labor the point on it but it's really good magia by alan chapman has a whole section called binding which comes from 
philosophical midwifery. It's a kind of an augmentation of that and kind of, I suppose, instills a bit more magic nomenclature in it, but also a kind of bit more magic sense in it as well. That book, though, or even if you listen to the audios, you're still not going to get a full appreciation of how to do binding. I can't imagine anyone will learn how to do an actual binding from reading the book. You understand the principles behind it. But there's a kind of thing that you have to see it in action. And even when you see it in action a number of times, you still can find it hard to get it. And you'll have to go through a few of them with other people and go through a number of them in order to really grasp it. But when you do grasp it, when you do get the idea of it, it's really good and very helpful and it's been very uh, revelatory for me. The last one I would suggest to you is uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. This one I haven't read, but it's the only book <laughs> of his at the minute I can get to hand. The actual one I wanted to show you is uh, Cyber Magic. He's a very kind of unique take on approaching shadow work or dealing with the past or trauma or you know family stuff or whatever. Um, this is about family lineages and going through the whole kind of your know, family lineage and finding out where all of your stuff comes from. I'm looking forward to getting into it, but I haven't, so it's, I can't give it a full recommendation. But I do give him a full recommendation, particularly the book Psychomagic and the documentary Psychomagic and all of his other things as well. Other stuff, if you want to look into it, there is uh, Byron Katie's The Work which some people really like, some people don't. Depends on your kind of type of person you are, I suppose, what exactly you're looking for. You can also have Ken Wilber's 123 or 321 process where you look at everything from third person, second person, then a first person view. You see, you kind of twist the whole kind of thing around. That can be quite helpful and that can be quite useful, but ultimately didn't get me to the point of being able to really get into it in the way that, say, therapy did or uh, philosophical midwifery combining. So, yeah. Hope that uh, helps. Good woman, Veronica. Always making sure to get the merchandise sorted and uh, make those uh, screen prints. <laughs> so I've got a bit of shade going on here. Jason Mandel, why do you think when communicating with any disincarnate entities that it is difficult to have straightforward, simple communication rather than messages filled with symbolic imagery and cryptic phases? and why they seem to have no trouble calling us idiots in plain English. Well, it would have to be suggested by the fact that they can speak clearly when they want to, that they're doing it on purpose. There's two possible answers. There's a number of possible answers, but there's two possible answers that I can give you today. One is that our world is so different from their world that the only way that they can kind of communicate their, what they're trying to say to you is by through kind of symbols, metaphors, allegories, all of that kind of stuff. But that would kind of be ruled out by the fact that they can very easily just call us idiots. So they know more or less uh, how this place works. I think the second kind of reason and the reason that I kind of buy into it is because what they are actually doing is planting seeds, dropping stones into water and letting ripples come out. That it's the initial giving of the symbol or the metaphor or the allegory is kind of not the most important. It's what happens after that's done. It's the message, the meaning that you give it. Uh, the sinks that occur after that, the discovery, you know, you go looking into these things, what does it mean, what does it mean from a different place, you know, the kind of education that you go do around it, and so it's kind of that they speak like this, so you go and do the work, you know, because it's like that thing in a sense that you can know something, we, we all know this kind of thing where you can know something, but uh, then one day it clicks with you, and it's usually because you've discovered something that you have, you know, gone through something, or you understand something in a better way because of personal experience, rather than just someone telling you and you kind of go yeah that makes sense that's fine but then when you have the experience or you have the kind of inner click it totally makes sense to you so while they probably could give us the exact answers we want true fully uh, laid out in front of us we probably wouldn't get it 
because it needs that element of us having a personal experience with these things. So instead, they drop stones into water and let the ripples come out. And uh, that's the way I think it works, at least today. Alice LeVay, what do you think about the whole nature versus city environments for working magic making a connection? Why is nature seen as magical and city seen as the antithesis of it? I'm not sure it really is. I know in some circles it is, but I know in other circles it's really not. And city is definitely seen as something that's quite magical. In Pieces of Eight, I think, Mr White talks about the whole notion of city spirits and installation of Astaroth, as far as I remember, into your local area. He'd be big into cities, big into how to work with, say, when he was there with London in a magical kind of way. And I know he's not alone. There's definitely a book called City Magic. And I think uh, over the last while on the Invaders and Wubu Discord, they have been talking an awful lot about uh, a book, Urban Magic, which they um, have been finding great kind of success with. And of course, like in Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell's From Hell, there's this whole notion of city magic as well. And, you know, the whole idea of like, I suppose as well, like the, the Masons built cities in certain ways as for magical kind of ideas. Washington seems to have an awful lot of these kind of symbols built into it, as most cities seem to have, whether it's by uh, design or coincidence, who's to say. I think there's a different kind of feel, obviously, to cities and there's a different feel to forests. But I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. I think you can be possibly drawn to one another. Or you may need the opposing kind of thing than what you're used to. Spend too long in a forest, you might need a city. Spend too long in a city, you're certainly going to need a forest. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's, it's kind of a, in a sense, a false dichotomy. Although that's a bit strong. It's kind of, magic's everywhere. I don't think it just exists in a tree. It exists in a stone. It exists in a building. and certainly can exist in a, in a city. Certain places definitely have a certain feel to them. The place where I live at the minute has a completely different magical feel than it does to this place, Dundalk, where I grew up. And even within Dundalk being kind of the, one of the biggest towns, though not a city, um, you need two cathedrals to have a city, I think. Um, there's areas like here which is completely calm, placid, serene, and doesn't have that kind of busy urban environment at all. Yeah, just go with what you have and what you can do. I wouldn't say anywhere is less magical than anywhere else. Braxis asks, any particular piece of Fortina that catches your interest more than most? My favourite bit of it is out-of-place objects or things that shouldn't exist. You know, like when a battery turns up. It's the Iraqi battery from, oh, 50 million years ago, whatever the actual date is, from a time where it really shouldn't exist. There's a whole uh, subreddit called Cultural Leo, which is about <laughs> kind of notion of how things get built on top of each other. There's a bit of a conspiracy element to it as well. Though of course, there would have to be, given it's Reddit, that gets into mud flood stuff as well, which I don't buy into, but I find it interesting, you know, I find it very entertaining. But that there's a whole kind of layer of history that's hidden in some way below uh, this facade. But I also kind of like when, you know, when things turn up that shouldn't be there, like the Swiss watch that was found in a, you know, a sealed 400-year-old tomb. The watch is only 100-year-old. Like, how did that get there? Or, because, you know, it only needs, like, one kind of mad thing to appear uh, for the whole thing to fall apart. But yeah, I suppose when these things do turn up, and if you, if you Google, you'll find a, a load of kind of examples. People just tend to go, oh, that's weird. <laughs> And let's move on with the, you know, the mainstream story that we've been telling each other for years anyway. I do kind of like the idea that there's a, like, 100 years added to the timeline, or 100 years missing. People go so far to say that there's a 1,000 years that has been totally made up of history. <laughs> I like it. I like that I entertain it. But um, if it came to, like, a, a, a vote, an actual vote, that to bring something into law, I'm not, not going to vote for it. Like, it's like... 
a lot of these kind of stuff, they're interesting and fun, but I don't think you should be making any life decisions on them or whatever. But at the same time, you know, you should always keep your, your mind open around these things. Given how we know how much media manipulates things and how easily people forget, who isn't to say that history isn't exactly the way we you know, we've been told it is. And I don't even necessarily mean that that has to be deliberately lied to us about, but I mean, like, we don't know. Most of it's a guess. Yeah, so that's why I always find it really interesting, those kind of out of place things where it's like, you know, like photos of a hipster in the 1920s or you know, someone in a black and white film on a mobile phone or all of these things. I just love it. Not necessarily from the time travel aspect of it, but just that it injects the weirdness. You kind of go, oh no, this place is a bit weird. You know, we don't really know what's going on here. And I find that fascinating and fun. So yeah, that's my favorite bit of Fortina. Maybe it's pronounced Fortiana? Fortina? Fortiana? Fourteen? Fourteen? It is fourteen, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, that's my favorite bit of fourteen uh, area. <laughs> Can understanding money and wealth become a spiritual path? Um, I think, not that it should become or could become a spiritual path, I think it's a necessity in some way on the spiritual path because I think until you kind of have your basic needs met, it's very hard to make an awful lot of progress in anything, never mind magic or the occult or meditation or whatever it is you're trying to do. If you're constantly worried about having to pay rent or eat or whatever it is, you know, that, uh, you know, wash your clothes or any of these things that we need money on that we kind of just kind of assume everyone has access to this infrastructure. But when you don't, it's very hard to care about awakening or care about doing any other magic other than, you know, getting out of this. And it's the same for anything, like when you're in, you know, a broken relationship or you're in a breakup or whatever, it's hard to see past that. And you have to kind of get past that in order to get on to the next stage. So for me, with money, any real kind of real spiritual advancements man or whatever's the correct word that happened after I was able to get my kind of financial situation sorted out and that doesn't by any means mean becoming rich or become having days where you don't have any money but as an overall balance where I'm not constantly worried about paying the mortgage paying for food paying bills that if a bill comes in an unexpected bill comes in that it doesn't absolutely devastate me two bills could come in and devastate me mind you so uh, you know I'm not that far off it, but uh, you know it, it, it doesn't have that just scraping by type of thing and I, I think when I was in that situation which is you know that not that long ago when it's only in the last really three or four years that um, I'd not been like that I thought all my magic was around that and I got very attracted to like law of attraction stuff secret stuff manifesting because I wanted to not be like this you know and I wasn't looking for cars or huge houses or holidays just to sustain to you know to be able to keep doing what I was doing and eventually did work out but it was only after that that then I could get more into the other stuff um, so I'd say could maybe that's not really the, the answer you're, you're, or the question you're asking but that that's that would be my answer to the first bit. I think it's a necessity to be part of it. The other part of it would be that I don't think material existence is wrong. Like, I mean, I don't have a moral objection to people using magic for improving their material existence. So we recently had a conversation on the Adventures in Woo Woo Discord where we were talking about offerings, and it was kind of the notion of where it became about an exchange and stuff like that, and that Spud in particular didn't feel, you know, he doesn't have a kind of a drawing towards that kind of thing because he doesn't have that kind of relationship with spirits or stuff or whatever. But it's kind of got me thinking as it does. And I was kind of thinking that while, say, your HGA or your, your solar angel or your person who's kind of in charge of your spiritual kind of outlook, your spiritual guidance, your teaching or whatever, there is other spirits knocking around. 
that uh, are well capable of helping you out materially. I don't feel anything wrong with it if you want to work with them and want to have a better life. I don't think there's a moral objection to it. Um, I think I can kind of get caught in it because I come from a Catholic kind of background where we're kind of told that to want material happiness is a sin <laughs> and how dare you you know you will be punished so in some way that wanting something shiny something bad will happen you know because you'll be punished for doing it and you're a bad person for doing it so i think there is kind of a, a notion where you could walk through that as a kind of a, a path walking that would help ultimately your bigger kind of spirituality because you would be breaking a role a shadow a thing that isn't true and i think the material existence is every bit as important almost in places more important than the spiritual existence because it's happening here materially and i think we can kind of bypass that a bit too easily by saying that it's not important none of these things are important that material existence isn't important or that you know being materially happy isn't important or having the things you want that it's you shouldn't be concerned about having aesthetically pleasing things around you, about having all the things you want. Now, to a point, once it gets into that kind of materialistic view of uh, constantly wanting and never being satisfied, of course, you're getting into kind of dysfunctional kind of area of it. I don't think to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that you shouldn't have anything and become like a, some a kind of aesthetic, um, aesthetic, not aesthetic. I think that in all these things, there should be a balance. So I think, yes, pursuing money as a magical pursuit, as a spiritual pursuit, um, and getting to the root of what you feel about it, about your, your blocks, your limitations, your shadows, your wants, your needs, and all that thing, could be a very valid approach, as, as any approach is, but knowing that there's traps within it, and there's shadows within it. So, uh, short answer, yes. And so finally, we come to the last question, and it's Grayson. Do you ever wonder if all this occult stuff is complete bullshit? What do you do when you're doubting it all? I have to say that I spent years uh, kind of jumping between the kind of notion of this is real, this is bullshit, this is real, and then become, you know, massively disillusioned when things didn't work out. But since my kind of experiences over the last, or my allowance of my experiences over the last year or so, I don't have that anymore. That's the whole point of what I was saying before about the awakening thing is I've got to a stage where I can't go back to the doubting stage because it's, I just can't because it's clear to me or convinced enough. I've entered the stream enough, I've become invincible enough <laughs> that, um, that kind of question has been put to bed but what I do does happen to me and I can see it happening to other people around me too so I think it's probably a common enough experience that I can get caught in the kind of bullshit of someone else's kind of teaching or I can get you know in an idea or a theory or something and I would need to pull away from that so you know if you're spending too long with a particular say you spend too long with Crowley and you kind of go well you know this is getting a bit bullshitty to me it's not really it's not really speaking to me it's not really what i believe and i kind of need to pull away from that when i finally go through kind of periods of really kind of ingesting a lot of stuff talking to people hanging around with people really getting you know debating stuff in the proper sense of debating and trying to find out what would each other think or what you know what the the nature of these things are and you know reading all the books getting all the things and then there's kind of <laughs> it hits a kind of crescendo or a peak or zenith and at a point where I have to just pull back from that entirely and go right now I need to integrate this assimilate this throw away the bits I don't need or whatever and really find out hold on what do I think because I kind of get lost in the minutiae or the milieu 
of all of the stuff I've been surrounding myself with. And I can see it with other people too, where they kind of get into it, get into it, and there's kind of a breaking or tipping point where they kind of go, oh, hold on, I just need to pull out of this for a while and uh, go off on my own and find out what I, I need. You can see it a, a, a lot in groups. If there's a bit of, not necessarily in a negative way, group thinking on, but if there's a particular conversation that's happening regularly or something that it's not jiving with you or whatever but you kind of get caught up in it so you find yourself arguing in the middle of it going hold on i don't really care about this why am i arguing this well, apart from the fact that it might be a bit of a shadow in that there's also that thing that you can just get caught up in other people's kind of opinions and i do kind of rebel in one sense against that to a point where i want to pick people's brains i want to understand where they're coming from i want all of that then at the end of that i want to be allowed to have my own opinions about it that i want to be able to talk to people who know things or read books or whatever it is but at the same time draw my own conclusions and not kind of have to be forced into a belief about something just because that's the teaching or that's what the other person believes and so sometimes that can feel a bit bullshitty that I'm kind of going ah no I feel I feel the direction in which I'm going is a bit bullshitty and I need to pull back from that but the overall kind of notion of that it's all bullshit I just don't have anymore it's just not there and that may change but it's, it's just not there at the minute and I know what it feels like because I had it for years. I know what the, the disillusionment is. But a lot for me was that I was disillusioned and not necessarily that it, it wasn't real, but that it didn't work in the way I wanted it to work. Why didn't I have everything? Why wasn't my life sorted? Why weren't all my relationships great? Why wasn't I having the best sex in the world? Why wasn't I having all the money in the world? Why didn't everyone love me? You know, why all of these things? It's going, all right, maybe it's not exactly about that. I mean, the ultimate goal, of course, is to sort all your shit out, but that doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. It doesn't mean you're not going to get everything you want. But kind of this thing, I had it around my HGA, was that I taught magic in the occult would sort my life out. It doesn't wreck your life. <laughs> it should come with a health warning. In fact, it often does. So I think part of my disillusionment was in wanting it to be something it wasn't or expecting it to do everything for me rather than me having to do all the work or whatever. What I tended to do at the time when that was happening is that I'd just take a break from it. I, the longest break, I think, was a couple of years. I got back in through the secret. Imagine that, the shame. But yeah, just take a break from it. Stop thinking about it. Stop worrying about it. Go do some art. Go take up jogging. Do something completely different, you know. Eat loads of cake. <laughs> Anything just to break the cycle um, and get out of it. Because it can be overwhelming. And I mean, if we were to believe that it's, you know, we're meant to get all this done in one life, I don't think there's any kind of... I don't think there's any hope of that necessarily, unless you're a very high degree, which I'm certainly not. So, I mean, with all the time in the world, despite what the constant uh, doom news would say to us, from a cosmological scale, we've all, uh, scale, we've all the time in the world. So, uh, yeah, there's no rush in any of these things. So take a break. Eat the cake. And uh, it's horrible. Disillusionment is horrible because you also feel like you're fooling yourself if you're wasted. Oh, I can't believe I believed all this. And, you know, it's proper disenchantment so do something that re-enchants you and doesn't have to be magic you'd probably come back to it anyway because I remember years ago Gar Shanley he's a writer brilliant writer writes movies writes comics all this kind of stuff we're <laughs> getting totally disillusioned with comics and art and creativity and it going nowhere and I says oh I'm thinking of quitting and he says to me um, yeah yeah try that Just try quitting see what happens and uh, of course you can't because you always get called back in but you always end up doing it you might take a break it might be a while but uh, yeah so try and quit magic <laughs> see how that works out for you see what happens that's it for another month 
Um, if you would like to ask me a question, you can just join up to Patreon. Links are in the show description. Or you can head over to Discord. Links are also in the show description. And uh, join up. And then every month we do this. We do numerous other things. We do like uh, 47s, one-card readings. There's a weekly Tasta, Tommy and Spud Talk About podcast. Mostly weekly. And I do a vlog every week too. There's loads of other stuff going on. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, it might be somewhere you might want to check out. Particularly the Discord, because it's good fun and full of good people. So um, if you want to support the channel and me, then the best thing to do is you can send me some money. Just, just send me money. Um, buy me a book or uh, share the videos or like the videos or you know annoy people about the, the videos or podcasts or whatever it is. Good people of the internet. I hope all your questions are answered and I hope that you don't get disillusioned and disenchanted by life and when you do that you bounce back quickly and I hope that your best days are ahead. That's my genuine blessing and hope for all of us that our best days are ahead and I have a sneaking suspicion that they are. Be well. <laughs>